This is an AMI podcast. This is an AMI podcast. This is Double Tap Canada from AMI Audio, the place where blind people talk tech. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to another Double Tap Canada. It is great to be here. Uh, Sean Priest is with me as always. Hi, Sean. <laughs> I'm back. Have you missed me? Were you gone? Oh, yes, that's yes. right. Oh, yeah, that reminds me. I was ill, saying I was faking it. I was very, very ill. I have to tell you, right, last mm. week, you sounded like me. I know, I did sound good, I must admit. I was trying to keep the, the rasp. Voice. Oh, I know, it was lovely. Was I was. It was. I put it bluntly, I was sexy for once. I'll be honest, I, 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 kind, of, I kind of thought, yeah, you know. <laughs> <laughs> wow, I one minute in, and... Uh, I have no idea where we're going. I totally regret what I just said. Okay, <laughs> let's move on. It's good to be here. It is good to be here. Um, and uh, Tim Schwartz is—he's—he's uh, he's proper poorly now as well. <laughs> it's just going round. We're just passing this around. Ever since we did that episode on how to be healthy, we've all been sick. It's terrible. <laughs> was that not the episode where I coughed my way through? <laughs> yes, it was. I sounded like I was crawling up a set of stairs. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're getting over it, though. But now this week it's Tim's turn. So get well soon, Tim. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. I'm coughing again. I can't stop coughing. <laughs> yes, and I'm more wheezy than usual, so uh, apologies. <sighs> what are we like? Well, look, we've got lots to talk about uh, this week. We're going to be talking about carrots and sticks. I have to be honest, I'm neither a fan of a carrot nor a stick, um, <laughs> but uh, we're going to be talking about them uh, today around the whole subject of uh, wh- how can we handle and challenge web accessibility problems? What's the best way to do it? Is it the carrot or the stick? Do we... Do we try and encourage companies through incentives or do we instead maybe, I guess, beat them with the stick of legislation? (laughs) Stick. Um, The stick, yeah. Well, that's an interesting conversation we're going to have today. Uh, And it kind of follows on because last week, as you know, Robin and I, Robin Christofferson and I, were at uh, TechShare Pro in London, which was an incredible event. And we were so glad to be able to bring the show to you from there uh, because it gave us a chance to hear some very interesting conversations, as you know, um, and it kind of worked timely for us because, you know, Tim and, and, and you, you were kind of off doing your own things last week. Being you, ill. You were being ill. Yes. yes. Uh, Tim, on the other hand, uh, just kind of felt a bit, you know, okay, well, I'll just not do this show then, right? Okay. <laughs> uh, so he was kind of left out of it last week, and we were hoping to come back on this week, but he's really not so well. So, Tim, get well soon. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I think it's, it's great we're back talking about this. And, I, and what I wanted to do this week, I guess, was kind of expand a little bit on what we talked about last week by playing you some of the interviews that we got. And we, we get tons of interviews, and we're going to get them all onto our DoubleTap.online website, and we're going to get uh, DoubleTap TV is going to have lots of this uh, coming up in uh, the next few weeks and months. So, you know, lots to stay tuned for. Um, so, yeah, that's going to be brilliant. But we're going to bring you a little bit of it today, and it is around that subject of carrots and sticks. A bit later, I want to play a, a bit of an interview that we did with a woman called Haben Gurma who I did talk about uh, quite a bit last week. And I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to apologize off the bat. I kind of felt in some ways I was being a little bit patronizing when I listened back to what I'd said. I kind of thought, you know, I, I felt like I was being the patronizing uh, sighted person. <laughs> yeah, the pat on the head syndrome. Uh, yeah. No, you know what? I listened to that episode and I, I get your worry because it is so difficult to um, express how impressed you are with someone's achievements without coming across as condescending or patronizing but no i think it was fine she's just so 
impressive. I think ultimately it was because the, the amount of challenges that Havan Gurma had, you know, and we're going to hear a bit more about this later, but, you know, yep. being a woman who is deafblind, being a woman of colour, uh, being a woman as well, uh, yeah. and trying to get into Harvard, all three of those things were holding her back uh, from, from getting, I mean, she talks, uh, and we'll hear a clip of this later, but she talks about trying to get into Harvard and that being deafblind was an absolute no-no. Uh, that was just a, you know, well, no, we, we, what? how would we possibly... How? Yes. And, and I, yeah. I, you know, I'm, I was going to say I relate to this. This kind of sounds weird because I can't relate to this, uh, not on that level. But I did attempt years ago uh, when, I was, when I was transitioning from primary to secondary education, as it is here in the UK or public to, to high school. Um, I, uh, I did attempt to go to private school. Um, paid for school, right? And, and I sat entrance exams at two major schools in the city I live in, in Glasgow, in Scotland. And um, I, I passed both entrance exams. And I also remember the sec that, that I'd gone for a walk around the school with the principal teacher of both schools. And on both occasions, both uh, head teachers, head uh, principals said to me, we'd love to have you here, Stephen, but we've no idea how we would educate you. Yeah. See, you would like to say, well, that's back in the day. I'm not trying to say you're ancient, Stephen, but you are, and I'm older. Um, I'm not like, you, you like to think that's, um, you know, an old way of thinking, and that those days have gone, but sadly, I don't think they have. No. Well, we'll get into this a bit later, but uh, that, that was my experience, and uh, yeah, it, it rings true what Haven said, but, um, you know, she fought past it. She she did yeah. more than I did. She got she got through it and came out with a law degree. Uh, a, a truly amazing woman for that. So we're going to talk a bit more about her. I'll play a clip of that. And um, well, there's lots more to talk about. I mean, before we get into this whole subject of carrots and sticks and websites accessibility, what on earth was Elon Musk doing with that attempt at a vehicle? I don't know if you saw no. this. This was just ridiculous. So for those who can, who, who didn't maybe see it or wasn't really aware of what was going on, I want to explain this to people. So he brings out what he calls this new truck idea, uh, you know, like a pickup truck. The uh, cyber truck. The cyber truck. It was amazing. Truck, yeah. No, it wasn't amazing. It was terrible. No. It was a no. terrible idea. Okay, so it's it's very out there in its design. It's very angular. It's very, um, people describe it as some sort of, you know, a, a, a drawing that a five-year-old would do when they're drawing a truck <laughs> and everything. Yeah, right, yeah. But from the very start, Years ago, he said that he was going to do this. This design was going to be on the edge. This is what he wanted to design, and he knew that people may not like it. I think it was cool. Well, it, it did look pretty cool, I suppose. I kind of, I, well, I suppose to me, it kind of immediately made me think of the DeLorean uh, from Back to the Future. That exactly was what jumped yes. into my head when I saw. It. I thought oh, he's, that's he's why it's cool. That. Yeah. <laughs> But then um, the bit that was hilarious, really was hilarious, was they, they tell you that this truck, Elon Musk is standing there saying, this is a really, you know, indestructible truck. You know, we can bring up a, a sledgehammer and smash it against the side of this thing and nothing will happen. It won't dent. So they did. They brought up a guy who bashed it with a sledgehammer or whatever it was, and it didn't. It was no dent, nothing. And wow, it's amazing. And then they started throwing metal balls at the windows, thinking, oh, this will you know, be you know, hilarious because you know, they'll just bounce off and, and it'll all be fine. Of course, it smashed the window, didn't it? I know. The, the, but it wasn't just that. He said, oh, do it again. And the second, and the window, second smashed, window smashed. Oh, forget it. Leave oh. it alone. <laughs> yeah, but aside from that, it was beautiful. I, look, I, I was 
Honestly, because you know I'm a Tesla fan now. Well, I was thinking about you, yeah. I was amazed at the price of it. For under $40,000, um, I thought it was really good. The, the price on uh, EVs, electric vehicles, is coming down so much. Still mm. you know, way out of most people's range. But um, yeah, I thought it was quite good. Although it has to be said, we don't have to be too upset about it because apparently there's 200,000 pre-orders already. I know. That was crazy, wasn't it? And I mean, there's no date on this or anything. You know, it's, no, it's no. sometime in the next two years, maybe. Uh, who knows? But yeah, 200,000 pre-orders. I think, truthfully, I think other companies will get there first uh, because yes. obviously other companies are pushing now, Ford and GM and others who are the big uh, makers of these pickup trucks, the most successful companies across America, across Canada, uh, are going to be, you know, pushing for this. And, of course, driverless technology is coming with all of this as well. Amazing. So, oh, yeah, I know. I, I'm so excited about it. I just can't wait for the day when we can go and do... Uh, I, I, this is what I want. I want the three of us to get in a driverless car mm. and meet and do the show. How cool oh. would that be? When will that happen? Let's predict a year. I'm going to predict. Okay, so so this 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 there's a couple of things here, right? First of all, AMI still have to be standing by us. Um, oh yes, that's true. So they've got to factor that into it. <laughs> so you know that could be a problem. But you know, I would love to say 2040. Wow, I won't be here. Um, yeah. What you think you'll be dead? I or think I'll be giving dead. the show up, or? going off right. by our health history so far. <laughs> um, yeah. No, yeah. you know what? I I would have. Don't agree- make me laugh. <laughs> I would have agreed with you had it not been for my uh, go in a Tesla. And I was so blown away by the the um, the status of the autopilot that I'm, yeah, I, next 10 years, I think we'll be going to self-driving. It's all about the legislation, actually. It's, it's about the rest of the world catching up to the technology, I think. Yeah, yeah. Well, we shall see uh, what happens there. Uh, very interesting stuff. But yeah, I'll predict 2040. I just, I think that we have a long way to go. And ultimately... I think it's, it's regulation that will slow everything down. It's not the technology itself. I think the technology is, is getting yeah, there. Yeah, I think that's exactly what I just said, Stephen. But, um, yeah, that's right. Yeah, but but what I will say in addition to that is that... No, that wasn't listening to you. <laughs> no, I wasn't no. distracted by anything at all. That's just, uh, that's just fake news, <laughs> quite frankly. Uh, but the good thing is we can edit this, so you'll fix that later. Yes, uh, this won't be in the show. Don't worry about it. No, of course it won't, no. no. But, it, well, of course, it will now. I said that. Uh, right, so... Um, but what I wanted to add to that was that was something we did talk about with Google at Texture Pro last week, and it was what was very interesting was their project with Waymo, which of course is is developing. One thing they talked about was how people talk and will talk a lot about the accidents that happen when when an issue occurs with these driverless vehicles. They will often uh, it'll often make headline news. Yes, but the reality is the number of miles that these vehicles are travelling with no accidents kind of proves the point that they are that it's a much safer technology the problem is the the regulations that are going to go into this for us in the uk the big question and this is actually a worldwide question really is will governments allow us as blind people to travel in these vehicles alone or do we have to have a sighted person with us as in a a driver to, to sit there or someone who at least can take control that's what i'm against the only glimmer of hope with this and actually it's a fairly big glimmer of hope is that a lot of these are being touted as taxis first. Yeah. And I think it's because what they're trying to get away from is the idea of car ownership. I've been saying this for a long time, but I think it's starting to bear some fruit. I think we're moving away from the period where we'll, you know, in the future, maybe 2040, who knows, or maybe sooner, hopefully sooner, um, 
you won't buy a car. You'll just use a car. Yeah. A vehicle will just become available to you. You'll get in it and you'll go. And if you need a four-seater, you'll get a four-seater. If you need a six-seater, you can have that. Um, the idea of a vehicle parked outside your house that you own will go away. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's that's quite exciting. But that is really exciting for us because it turns it into a service that we can subscribe to. And we can, you know, if we want to fancy a pub lunch or, you know, just meeting up, you can just go and do it. Whereas, you know what it's like at the moment with getting a taxi or, you know, finding the transit system and using it successfully. Yeah, yeah and that's it, it isn't it? That's the vision of the future that is so tantalising. It feels so close. The technology is so nearly there. But it's going to have such a huge impact not owning a car. We wouldn't have to plan our cities and towns around car parks and parking at home and all of that. It would just slimline the whole transport ecosystem. It would be amazing, and, and people can definitely see the benefits of it. I think the difficulty is in the transitional period, you know, like where we are now with self-driving cars to some degree on the road and human drivers on the road at the same time. Mm. That's where the problem comes in, and getting that transitional period over to where it's all self-driving is going to take a long time. But uh, it would be great if we could just say, okay, on this date, no more human drivers. You know, we're <laughs> handing over, over to computers. But I don't think that's going to happen. But it does tie in nicely to our topic about carrots and sticks and the whole mm. issue of web accessibility because they kind of, there's, there's kind of a link there, I suppose. And what I mean by that is in terms of regulation, what regulation would be required to allow us as blind people to do things? So whether it be sit in a driverless car while it takes you to a restaurant or whether it's making your website accessible. How do we force, How do well, force actually is the wrong word because that's the question, <laughs> isn't it? But how do you uh, encourage, let's put it that way, companies to make products, apps, services more accessible to blind people? Now, I know you've said on this show many times that you don't think there's a major Stay. issue with web accessibility uh, in 2019. You think that most websites are reasonably okay. Uh, it's all reasonably good. Now, is, that, is that a fair assessment of what you've said, well, Priest? Well, I don't like that tone for a start, Mr. Scott. But <laughs> <laughs> I, I think the general awareness of accessibility now is so much better than it has been in the past. Um, of course, it's not great and we still need to be pushing it. Of course we do. But I think the popularity of CMS systems, content management systems such as WordPress. So many people are building websites using WordPress now that because it has accessibility built into its very core, that has helped so much when it comes to website accessibility in general. Uh, of course, there's still sectors out there such as shopping and flights and things like that, which still need so much work. But yeah, generally, I think accessibility has improved hugely, although I know I'm in a minority. Well, I think it depends on what you're doing. And I think you're right. I mean, a lot of the most common issues that, that come up is around adding items to baskets, checking out that process of checkout. That yes. can be a problem. You can maybe go so far to browse and search for things, but it's actually buying the damn thing at the end that's the challenge that inaccessible pay now yeah. or checkout button is a killer yes well this is something which was discussed a lot at texture pro uh last week and uh, we had a chance to sit down with a couple of people who had uh, i guess well they, we thought they had different views on this but i think one theme certainly came out uh time and time again and i want to start by hearing from uh, malin rig now uh, malin is from norway and in norway what they've done 
is they've made it very clear to public and, and private companies that their, their websites must be accessible. That is the key point. They must be accessible. And if they're not, then uh, things will happen. There will be uh, consequences. So what they do is they will do a regular test. And I love this because what they do is they now do regular testing of websites in Norway to make sure uh, that they are accessible. So they do an, a, a preliminary report, and then they come up with a correction plan. And then if that seems valid and, and good, then that's it. They, they move on. And most companies, according to the, the Norwegian government anyway, say that they do correct their errors within the time frame. But if not, then they can be fined. Um, and what's interesting is the fines can actually go to become daily. So a company could receive a daily fine, and it could it could run right. to millions if it's not done properly. Yeah. Um, and, and it's just amazing to hear that a, a country is taking this so seriously that services must be accessible, and that they are going to come back every year, and they're going to keep checking because, of course, as you know, and I know, and all our listeners will know, that an app can be uh, or a website can be changed, and the accessibility can be broken. Yes. So, and it should be said, this is for websites only in Norway. This, they are hoping to move this uh, further into uh, apps as well, which would be brilliant. Uh, and, of course, this will have a knock-on effect for other companies around the world as well. But it's really interesting to hear from Malin Rigg. Let's hear a bit from her now as uh, she talks about the carrot-and-stick approach and which works best, in her view. I think some kind of stick uh, is absolutely necessary. Uh, we we tried only carrots for a long time in Norway up until uh, 2008 uh, and then saw the need for actually doing something to enforce it because it wasn't moving along fast enough uh, in our opinion. The feedback from the businesses uh, is very different. Some people, some businesses um, embrace this and see, you know, the business potential and also the it's, it's profitable with an aging society and with, you know, uh, big user groups being left out. It's, of course, also a big customer group uh, that you can tap into, whilst other businesses have been very um restrictive or very opposed i i would say so i think if you if you talk to different businesses you will get very different answers so it's not like everything is moving along smoothly can, can I just ask, opposed to what what is it that businesses are opposed to well i think uh in our experience the first reaction when um we make them aware this is a regulation it's often that accessibility is very difficult it's very expensive and it's not really uh, um, they don't have that kind of users <laughs> typically Blind people don't come here yeah yeah, yeah. we no had, we had no. a mun Welcome. municipality <laughs> leader once saying that there are no blind people in our <laughs> so which is crazy when you yes. think about it isn't it so we have put a lot of emphasis on just like conveying the message this is not for blind people alone this mm. is for everybody and uh, that everybody in some time course of their lives are going to meet some kind of barriers and this is what we as a society now expect you to do if you're going to provide a service you have to like uh, adhere to some minimum requirements uh, that we as a society actually expect you to do but then you have to move quite fast over to and this is also business wise for you to do and this is how you can do it and this is one of our maybe experiences that um, it's 
the first pushback that is very hard and very expensive is often overcome if you explain exactly what do you need to do. Well, you have to turn up your contrast and you have to text your videos and you have to... And a lot of aha moments have followed uh, from this that, okay, it might not be so difficult or might not be so expensive, especially if you plan it for your next release, for instance, or that you can get practical solutions. Uh, so if you can get to that part of the dialogue as soon as possible and not get stuck in the should we do it or should we not do it, uh, you should do it and this is how you can do it and it might not be as uh, difficult as you might have thought in the first place. That's Malin Rigg uh, from Norway talking there uh, to me and Robin Christofferson as part of TechShare Pro 2019 that took place in London last week. And it's really interesting to hear her talk about the importance of getting companies to think about us as, as people first and you know realize how many of us out there <laughs> there are. Uh, you know, not just blind people, though. I think that's that's actually a really key point, that it isn't just about saying, okay, so this is great for blind people. It's great for everybody. And and that can make that's maybe the, the bit that's missing in the conversation. Don't you think? Uh, it, it's such a tricky one because I'm as guilty as anyone else who's looking in at blindness because I'm all I'm thinking about is this accessible to me. Um, yeah. So you know I'm always coming out from that point of view. But it's just so infuriating, isn't it? That mindset of oh, disabled people don't use our service. You know, there's no blind people here, not in my shop. It's ridiculous. It's infuriating, and it's so short-sighted um, but accessibility isn't just there to allow me as a poor blind person to use your service it's about usable interfaces it's about ease of use and you know disability isn't a binary thing there's so many people that wouldn't class themselves as disabled where accessibility is still important legibility and just opening up your service to as many people as possible. Yeah, that sort of mindset of, no, we don't get disabled people here, is the exact reason why we do need regulation and we do need that stick. And that's where things get interesting when you expand the conversation into other countries. I mean, obviously, Norway has done an amazing job here. Um, but let's look at the US. Now, of course, we had the situation that we've been talking about on this show for a while around Domino's Pizza. Boo. And, yeah, well, you know, this was the problem, wasn't it, that they had come up with this wonderful idea that they shouldn't make their website accessible to blind people. Yes. And they would take it all the way to the Supreme Court, uh, which was just unbelievable. Um, well, Stuart Seaborn knows all about this because it was uh, Domino's actually in his area, his district where he lives, and uh, he knows all about the case with Domino's. He's uh, Managing Director of Litigation at Disability Rights Advocates and talks about how the U.S., is a very litigious country and why that might be a negative, actually, uh, and also whether or not the, the carrot or the stick is uh, the better option. I don't know if one outweighs the other. The one thing I'll say with a company like Domino's is it would not have done something uh, but for action in the courts, and there still are in, in, you know, in the U.S. Uh, we, we hear about it every day. You know, our, our constituent groups and client groups are constantly informing us of folks uh, in terms of of, of companies uh, and even government entities that have the resources to make accessibility improvements. Um, they just need to educate themselves uh, and be willing to do so. So I, I feel like the stick is necessary. We've had to litigate several of these issues. Um, we're, we're trying other approaches, as I mentioned, the structured negotiations, which is essentially keeping it out of court. Um, 
but I feel like you need the stick uh, in addition to the carrots. I would love to see incentives um, for both companies and government entities kind of built into uh, some of the, the regulations uh, so that, that you know, we're, we're working with, uh, you know, there's some kind of positivity that results when companies take action. Uh, I, I'm also uh, anxious to see statistics uh, when they evolve in terms of uh, the market power of the disability community. I feel like the more that that's out there and, and public, um, the better it will be to make that kind of carrot approach. I love the fact that they did it in Israel kind of without statistics first, um, and it worked. Uh, so I feel like that's something we can learn from. But I would like to see the development um, and, and furtherance of kind of studying how you can demonstrate the market share and market power uh, because you know the, the disability community is is is, is uh, both with its buying power and its size uh, probably much larger than a lot of these folks think uh, when they're doing their designs. Stuart Seaborn there uh, talking to Amy at TechShare Pro 2019. I think he was rather amused at the fact that I kept referring to him as Sam Seaborn. If you're a West Wing fan, uh, you'll know that Sam's a very well-known lawyer in that program. And uh, I just love the fact I, I just renamed him Sam Seaborn. <laughs> Did he get the joke, the or did he just no, laugh along with you? Huge fan, huge ah, fan. That's okay then. I, I think he might have been slightly confused, uh, but <laughs> or we you just were. moved on. Yeah, well, as usual, yes. Well, I was giving, I was calling them by their own names. So what does that tell you? But you know, I think he makes an interesting point because I guess what comes out of that conversation was: Do we want to get to a stage where we're constantly hitting these companies in in the wallet, hitting them in the court? Does that actually solve the problem? Does it make them understand the issue, or does it just make them fix the problem, but not really care as to why the problem was fixed? And actually, does that is that a good thing? And this is the, yes. The Do challenge. we care if they understand the reason why, as long as it's fixed? I don't know. I, I think there's. I think Norway have got a great system in place there. I think. It's clear, it's, isn't it? It's clear. You will be fined. You will be dealt with if you don't do this. Exactly. And, and, and they go further than that. I mean, they help companies. If, if a company comes along and says, we don't know what this means, they'll help. That's the thing. I think you do need a combination of the two because it's no good saying, okay, your site isn't accessible, so you're going to get fined. You need to give people or businesses the resources and point them in the right direction, not... Not say, okay, you can have a consultancy for thousands and thousands of dollars and then this costs thousands. You know, they need to be able to have access to uh, affordable resources to help companies become accessible. I think that's very important too. Yeah, I mean, I'll be honest, a lot of the stuff that they were talking about went right over my head and that's not unusual. Um, yes. But, you know, the reason I wanted to bring this up on the show this week was because I think people need to understand it's important for us all to know what's going on out there. That's what's great about TechShare Pro. I mean, a lot of it is is, is very high-end and highbrow and beyond me because I'm not a smart person. But Correct. what I think is good, thank you, uh, but what is good is that we now know that there is work going on to make sure that, that you know, that things are being done. I think when whenever we come across an inaccessible website, I know I feel this, it's almost like, who do I shout at? Because if I call up a company and say, your website isn't accessible, Nine times out of ten, there will, be, there will be no understanding as to what I'm talking about. Yes, oh, but the website's absolutely. fine. It's working fine. I remember calling up um, our big broadcaster here in the UK, the, the British Broadcasting Corporation, BBC, and I called them up to say there wasn't audio description on a program, and I was told, um, but the subtitles are working. And I'm thinking, yes. well, wh- how do you, wh- how, where do you go with this, <laughs> you know? So there's just, there is a lack of understanding out there. It's not always the company's fault. It's certainly not always the frontline staff's fault. Um, 
but it's good to know that things are being done in the background. So I just I wanted to bring that up this week. Stick around because we've lots more to talk about. Uh, going to be hearing the story of Haben Gurma, who I just find an incredible woman and uh, had a chance to sit down with her at Texture Pro last week. Uh, we'll get into that conversation and uh, lots more here on Double Tap. Stick around. And now we're back with the Double Tap Canada team for more news on the latest tech from an accessibility point of view. Join in the fun with Double Tap by emailing your comments to feedback at ami.ca or on Twitter at Double Tap Canada. Yeah, keep your feedback coming in. Uh, We love to get it, and we will get to that next week when Tim's back uh, so the three of us can answer your questions. Oftentimes, people tend to ask Tim the questions because he has, (laughs) you know, an answer. Uh, So, yeah, we'll get to that next week. Uh, But uh, for now, it's uh, Sean and me this week with you, and um, we're going to talk a bit about uh, Haben Gurma in a moment, but uh, before we do that and get into her story, uh, Black Friday's coming up, Sean. Uh, Are you rubbing your hands with glee? No, because my bank account is empty. But, Ugh. you know, I still keep checking it to see if there's any deals that it's worth going into the overdraft for. Um, oh, I, I thought you were going to say you kept checking the bank account in case someone maybe just accidentally <laughs> put lots of money in. No, that never happens. No. But it, it's strange you say it's, you know, coming up. It's been going for a week already. I don't understand <laughs> it. When does it start? I thought it was last Friday, but apparently it's, it's this Friday. I don't get it. Yeah, because it always follows U.S. Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. So that's, that's the whole thing, right? So Thanksgiving in the U.S. happens, and then the, the day that follows is the Friday, of course, Black Friday. But I, I'm not a huge fan of it, and I'll tell you why. Because Who? ultimately, well, I'm not, because I mean, you know me, I love to buy things, right? Everyone knows this. Yes, every Friday. Every Friday is Black Friday to me. <laughs> um, actually, I think, I think it should be renamed Red Friday, uh, you know, to sort of go along with my bank account yes. situation. Um, but yeah, I mean, Black Friday is just one of those things that's come along. It's become part of our culture. Wherever we are in the world now, it seems to just exist. And you're right. Now it's it's like Black Fortnite, isn't it? It's just it goes on forever. Two weeks well, of yeah, it. It's been going on all week. I mean, Amazon started it last Friday. And I, that's why I got confused. I assumed it started last week. And yeah, every day this week, we've had, uh, you know, some Black Friday deals. I must admit, I have... I've bought one thing. Oh, can you see what it is? Um, well, yes, I bought some Blink XT2 security cameras. Oh, right, okay. Mm, I know because I had a. Oh, I did. Did I mention that my um, Amazon Echo got stolen last year? Oh, you year, mentioned Stephen? it. Yeah, I, yes. I'm so I, bored of this story. I don't know because I don't like to make a fuss. But someone no. stole it from me. Um, aside from that, someone actually broke into a car that was on my drive as well last week. Um, and my video ring, my ring video doorbell didn't pick anything up. Uh, so I'm going to get some security cameras. And these seem quite good, actually. <laughs> Can I suggest you maybe move house first? Yes. But the thing is, I just have. So, <laughs> uh, yeah. I don't know. These have been recommended. Um, they are owned or backed by Amazon. I'm not entirely sure. Um, but it's all if the app is accessible. Mm. Um, so, yeah, we will find out. Well, you know, I love smart tech. And, and there, only, there only is one thing I would recommend at this time of year. I've got one of these already. And I'm kind of annoyed. I bought it a um, couple of months ago. And I, I should have just waited, if I'm honest. but Because uh, the deals are great. And you do get some great deals, but on this particular thing, it's not. It is smart tech, right? It, it, in other words, it's got a plug on it. Mm. Uh, I'm worried. But the good news is that it doesn't require an app. It doesn't require any sort of interaction oh, uh, with with anything apart from one big button. 
Ooh, suddenly it's interesting. Oh, okay, right. go on. It's my Tassimo coffee machine. Oh, oh, no. I love this. And you know what I love about it? I love it because it is such a simple device. You don't need to see anything to use it. All you need to be able to do is put the water in, uh, which is fairly simple, and you can't really get that wrong uh, because, you know, it's... Well. it's well, I, well, yeah, you can get it wrong, but you can fix it before it becomes a disaster. Uh, the one I chose was the uh, Tassimo Caddy, and the reason I chose that was because it has an enclosed water tank uh, rather mm-hmm. than a, a side tank, which is often quite difficult to, to pull off the side, and you can often spill more water than you end up putting in the machine. So uh, I like this because it just slides nicely in, and it's all part of the system. And when you take it out, it's one big unit, almost like a big cartridge. And you take it over to the sink, you fill it up. It can only be filled up so far. So, you know, basically I fill it up to full and then tip out a bit and then put the whole thing back inside. Then you take your little pod, you pl- open up the, the unit, you plonk the pod in. It can only go in one way. It can only fit <laughs> one way. Term. Plonk the plonk. pod yes. in. I like, I, yeah, I, I like to talk in language people understand. No, no, yeah. And I, I didn't understand words, that. And I, like to under, and I like language that I understand. So there you go. Um, but yeah, I plonk in the pod and, you know, fiddle around with it till it fits into the slot. And then you close it down, you put a cup underneath, and away you go. You've got a beautiful cup of coffee. And it's really nice. It's really, What's wrong really with nice. a kettle? I mean, it's so easy just to use a kettle. You've got to muck around buying pods. I, I just can't get into coffee machines at all. You can do tea on it. You can do uh, hot chocolate. Hot chocolate. Yeah, yeah, I know. It costs you, what, you know, like $2 a cup. Yeah, but that's okay. No, it's not okay. That's terrible. A kettle, a spoon, and some powdery stuff. That's all you need. Yes, I know. I've been around your house. Uh yeah. <laughs> Notice I don't come round again. Wonder yes. why that was. Um, but no, I, honestly, I do love the, the Tassimo coffee machine. And from you know, take the accessibility into it. It is really easy to use, uh, and I quite like the idea. I mean, the other the other option actually, which is very good, is uh, the uh, one cups. Have you seen these? It's like a kettle, but it actually gives you a cup of tea uh, in, oh, in a one yes. shot. I always keep meaning to buy one of these um, because every time I see them and, and they're on deal, I think. That is perfect. Um, and I, I haven't got one yet, but I think the Breville do the most popular one that I always hear about. That's right, they do. And it, it, what, what I love about it is it does a nice hot cup of tea. Uh, you get the cup under there, you press the button, and it gives you one shot of hot water. Uh, so you don't you don't need cartridges, you don't need pods or anything like that, but you will get a nice hot cup of water. Uh, you can plonk in your tea bag. Again, more plonking. Um, and whatever else you throw in there. Uh, I remember once, I remember once, right, I, I like sugar with my tea, right, and I remember I couldn't get any, there was no sugar in the house, I was very annoyed about it. So I took a chocolate biscuit, and I thought, right, what I'll do is, uh, we'll sort this out, I just half the chocolate biscuit and threw it in the tea. I thought, well, there's sugar in that, so it'll sort itself out. Of course, that makes perfect sense. Yeah, exactly. Is that a man thing? A woman um, wouldn't do that. No, but, you know, except for every sip of tea you took was horrible, crumbled up biscuit in it. No, I stubbed it first. Yeah, well, that just made... <laughs> you would have to run it through a sieve to get rid of all the biscuit crumbs. Oh, it's beautiful. All right, some sort of super fair. No, that's, that's, I, I would have done the same thing. Tea without sugar is just terrible. Yeah, Sorry, absolutely. is this becoming too British now? We're talking about tea. We're talking about tea now, yeah, I know. It's all become very British, isn't it? With <laughs> tea at three coffee. and all the rest. I'm quite happy with that. Um, well, look, I have to also mention those who got in touch uh, regarding my uh, comments last week about uh, oh ridiculous spoons. comments chicken e- eating mash using chicken 
where else are you going to hear that? What is wrong with this? I'm sorry. What is wrong with this? This is this is. Br- I thought it was ingenious, and to let be honest, t- no. Let me no, tell no, you hang what's on, wrong. Hang on. No. You said I called you, and I said, "Look what I've just done," and you said, "I'd have done the same thing." Yes. Okay. I would have. But what I wouldn't yeah. have done is gone to Google HQ in that there London to visit uh, the TechShare Pro exhibition. And then talk about how I scooped out mashed potato using chicken on the show. I I've think got to there, say, was, there was a priority there that you sort of missed. I've got to say, there was a, a bit of general confusion by the, the people from California who'd come all the way over to to London to, to enjoy this event and then be sort of met by me uh, waxing on about how wonderful I was because I'd figured out how to fashion a spoon out of chicken. You should be on that Survivor program, I think. You'd, you'd do well. I was, I was honestly, I thought it was genius, if you ask me. But uh, anyway, um, that aside, <sighs> on, yes, yes I, I, I think I'm not alone. Though Marsha Yale got in touch on Twitter to say uh, she was way ahead of me on this one. She said uh, I, I was definitely there with you with the spoon uh, being chicken. She said <laughs> yeah. I would have done that. I said I would have used one of those lemony wipe um, wrappers. You know, I would have used that oh, that foil wrapper. That's the best way to do it. It's more spoon like. Don't drag me into this conversation. We're moving on. Shall we talk about Haben Gurma, a true inspiration? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Not someone who can fashion uh, spoons out of chicken, but someone who's actually done something really worthwhile <laughs> with their lives. Um, so uh, this is a great story. Haben Gurma is a woman who, she's deaf blind, and uh, I mentioned her last week on the show, you might remember, uh, we talked about her because... Uh, she she was one of those people who really just stopped me in my tracks. I think I've come to the conclusion that no matter what I do in my life, I will never be as good as this woman uh, no. because she she has done so much. I mean, incredible stuff that she's done over the years. I mean, the the, key, the most notable uh, achievement for her, and it's actually the title of her book that I'm reading at the moment, very interesting book it is as well, uh, where she talks about her family and talks about how her family fled Eritrea and Africa to go to the States to start a better life. And then, of course, everything that followed um, she uh, had uh, blindness and, and, and deafness and she wanted to go to law school. She wanted to go to Harvard and uh, she fought against everything to get there. Uh, I, I got the chance to sit down and talk to her. I want to just play a little bit of this conversation, Sean, because, uh, and, and there's no, nothing of me in this because nothing I say would be of any interest here. No. Um, but I just want to let her speak about... Uh, her life, and what she's doing now. Hello, my name is Haben Gurma. I work as an accessibility and inclusion advocate, and I'm helping Lenovo make services more accessible. I identify as deafblind. So as a deafblind person, I've had to come up with solutions. Tech has been a powerful way to access information, but it's really the stories behind the tech that affect access. If you have negative disability stories, you get inaccessible tech. If you have positive disability stories, then the folks who work at tech companies are more likely to design products that embrace the disability community and increase access for all of us. I graduated from Harvard Law School in 2013, and I wanted to use my skills and talents to increase opportunities for people with disabilities. And for the last few years, I've been working as an educator and consultant to help increase opportunities for people with disabilities and to get the tech community to see this market 
as innovative and talented so that more tech is accessible to people with disabilities. And Lenovo learned about my work and was excited, and that's why we partnered together. What I hope to achieve with my role is to increase opportunities for people with disabilities. In hiring, to increase hiring of people with disabilities at Lenovo, more jobs for people with disabilities, and then Lenovo would benefit from more talented, innovative employees. And then also products and services, more accessibility. And culture and stories help influence design. Stories influence the organizations we create, the products we build, and the futures we imagine for ourselves. So if we could get positive disability stories to influence the design prod process and have designers with disabilities participating in the design process, then we'll have better, smarter tech for all. So I studied law from 2010 to 2013 at Harvard University. I was the first deaf-blind student at Harvard Law School because throughout most of its history, Harvard denied access to women, people of color, and people with disabilities. So it's not necessarily that all of a sudden we have talented people with disabilities. We've always had talented people with disabilities. It's that society is finally removing barriers so that we have more opportunities and society can benefit from talented attorneys and advocates who just happen to have disabilities. I'm using ancient technology. I'm using a braille display from 2010. It's amazing it still works. <laughs> <laughs> there have been newer braille displays since then, but what I needed to do is not has not really changed. So the new ones don't offer features that would enhance my ability to communicate with people. My hope is that someone will develop more affordable Braille technology that would make Braille displays accessible to more people around the world, including folks in developing countries. Braille is a powerful tool, especially for deaf-blind individuals, but also for hearing-blind individuals because it helps increase literacy, and literacy is essential to employment. So if we could have better, more affordable Braille displays, I think that would even help increase employment opportunities for blind individuals. I mean, what do you say to someone who has done all of that in their life? And I mean, just to give you some more picture here, um, and I love this part of, of, of Haben's life, where she had gone and gave a talk at TEDx in Baltimore. Wow. And she confronted Ted uh, for not readily providing captions for all of their recorded TEDx talks, including her own. And she stood up to them and said, you've got to fix this. Um, that was back in 2014. Uh, every year of uh, Haven's Life, something has happened that's just been incredible. Uh, in 2015, uh, she was appointed to the National Board of Trustees for the Helen Keller Services for the Blind. Uh, in the same year, uh, Haben met with uh, U.S. President Barack Obama at the White House to highlight the importance of accessible technology, and she provided introductory remarks on the occasion, which was the 25th anniversary of the Americans with Disabilities Act. I mean, you know, that's the uh, mic drop moment right there, really, isn't it? Um, and she, she spent time with Barack Obama. She told me separately in that interview that she, she found him to be a lovely person. I think we could all probably agree that's probably true. Um <laughs> 
And then, uh, you know, for, for fans of Apple, you know, uh, having gave a talk on accessible design at the Apple Worldwide Developers Conference in 2016. Um, and then this year, in August, uh, she released a memoir called Haben, the Deaf-Blind Woman Who Conquered Harvard Law. And that is the book I'm reading at the moment. I would strongly encourage you to, uh, to check it out. It's available on Audible. And it is uh, read by her, which is which is actually even nicer. Haben uh, has also enjoyed participating in physical activities. Wait for this when you think about sitting in your shed, Sean. Oh, come on. Is there anything else to make me feel even worse? Come on, what else has she done? Surfing, rock climbing, yes. kayaking, cycling. And she told me she loves dancing. Uh, so there you go. I, I am Amazing. blown away. I will say, I was at the National Federation of the Blinds conference in um, Orlando, I think it was 20, I want to say 2013, and I got the chance to try salsa dancing. Now, the, the temptation to laugh is obviously incredible here, right? <laughs> and I thought, okay, I'll take up a bit of uh, salsa dancing. But here's the thing, the woman who was uh, teaching had this brilliant way of teaching. She was blind herself. And she had this amazing way of Steady. teaching you how to do this. <laughs> Careful. She had. <laughs> said, I'm a married man, Sean. <laughs> exactly. Um, Steady. What happens in Orlando stays in Orlando. <laughs> uh, but no, I, I, she had this amazing way of teaching you, which was to imagine your feet standing on six Braille dots, on the six Braille dots. Oh, clever. So you were standing on two and five, and you would move your feet back and forth, so one and three, and then back to two, and then four and six, and back to five. And it, it, it actually started to make sense. I thought, I could do this. Um, then we started moving side to side, and I just walked Forget away it. and gave up. Yeah, that's too much. I could <laughs> do one two. real dog. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Grade two salsa dancing, not for me. Um, but, but, you know, Haben talks about a lot of things in there, and there's so much we could unpack. But one thing that, that I found quite interesting was the way that she, uh, obviously, she needs Braille to uh, to get what's going on around her. So what happens is she has a, a transcriber who's with her all the time, and his job is to type as fast as humanly possible um, yeah. to keep up with the conversation and, and relay as much of that back to having via a braille display so that's how she hears and or that's how she uh, reads what is going on and um it, it's it's great you know it's brilliant but i mean she's saying you know i'm using old technology here and this technology has to move on as well um it's so important for her and something i never thought about was of course people who are deaf blind really you know this is maybe the only way they have to communicate in a, in a quick way, I mean, there's touch. Obviously, you can you can uh, speak through touch, but um, for speed and for the greater uh, way of accessibility, as in being able to speak to more people, yeah, uh, you need that kind of technology. Uh, and it seems everything is, is hinging on that, which which kind of well, that's why like Braille most... is so important, and we keep yeah. banging on about you know not letting Braille die because there's so many. When I was looking into it, I really struggled to find any services that were out there because I was being told that there's no call for Braille anymore. You know, people don't need it because of voice synthesizers and TTS and phones. You know, people don't need it, but of course, there's other there's other aspects to it, and it's so important. And and going on to what Habin was saying about 
affordable Braille displays. Of, of course, you know, that's why the things like the Orbit and the Canute and uh, the, is it the Braille Me? That's why they're so important for developing countries as well. I mean, you know, I, I'm, I'm with you, Stephen. It's so hard to talk about what she's achieved without sounding patronizing or, you know, that, that terrible feeling that you get sometimes when, when people talk about what you've done. And, oh, that's amazing. But in her case... It's absolutely justified. It's just absolutely amazing. Makes me feel totally useless and worthless. So that's a good yeah. thing. Yeah, thanks, Haben. <laughs> uh, <so. laughs> I've done nothing with my life. I, I know. No matter what I've done, it's just nothing like that. Um, maybe maybe it's being in San Francisco makes the difference. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I have to say kayaking where I live uh, would probably involve uh, trying to navigate shopping trolleys. Uh, it's maybe slightly different in San Francisco. I can't know. fit one in my shed, so I'm not trying it. I can't fit in one. That's the problem. <laughs> uh, I thought I'd say it first. Uh, right, look, I just want to mention one more story before we go, uh, because this is a good one for anyone who's visiting Winnipeg Richardson International Airport. Uh, this is travellers who are blind or have uh, low vision now have access to IRA there. Uh, this, of course, is available in other Canadian airports, including Toronto, but now Winnipeg Richardson uh, has this as well through a mobile app or smart glasses you can connect to an IRA agent and then they're able to uh, connect uh, with you and, and see your environment through mobile phone cameras and describe you know what's going on around about you read signage uh, provide navigation uh, even label photos as well so this is great um, and they put out a news release uh, the Winnipeg Airport Authority said Richardson International is only the second airport in Canada to offer the technology which is fabulous um, and what's great about this as well is that when you're in the airport, if you are connected to IRA, if you've got an account with IRA, you don't have to pay or use your minutes, I should say, really. <gasps> Even uh, better. You're in the airport. Yeah, absolutely. It's free. And it's amazing. Uh, I would say that, that anyone who has looked at IRA when it was first released and looked at that price tag and thought, you know what, that's too much for me a month. Um, there's so many free services and places you can use it for free um, now that I think it's definitely worth looking at again because it's so amazingly useful. Yeah, and the CNIB uh, Foundation has also been working with uh, with the airport on this one to make sure that it improves the travel experience for anyone with sight loss at Canada's airports. This is according to Leonard uh, Ferber, who is the executive director at the CNIB in Manitoba. So, uh, yeah, some great news there. And a story we're uh, focusing on on our website at the moment on doubletap.online uh, is a rather interesting one. You can go and read all about ordering prescriptions using your Amazon Echo. Um, this is actually, you know, I love the skills that you get with the Amazon Echo. It's the reason why I think that the Amazon Echo beats the Google Home um, oh, hands down. Steady now, controversial. I know, I know. It is controversial because Google was first... In Canada, Amazon was second, whereas in our country, in the UK, it was the other way around. Amazon was first. But I honestly believe, and I know that Google have what they call actions, which is their equivalent of skills, but I don't feel it's anywhere near as developed as this. And, and the fact that so many people can create skills uh, and, and put them up there, and they can be so good. I mean, this this particular story focuses on, um, it's called the giant eagle skill. And um, my understanding here is with this that you, you can install it through the, the app or you can actually just speak to your smart speaker and say open giant eagle skill. And um, it will allow you, uh, by using a pin code, uh, to order your prescription. 
Um, you can even ask questions like, what medication should I be taking now? That's a really impressive thing. Um, refill my prescription as well. Um, so this is uh, hopefully going to be rolling out of the US. So it's in the US only at the moment, of course. Of course, yeah, yes. Tim, enjoy it, Tim. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, for us, for around the world, this will be coming soon. Of course, it's all down to individual um, private health companies and the national health companies as well to decide how this will work. But I think it's we're getting to a stage where um, we are able to use our computers you know, or use these devices in the ways we may have used computers before. And I can see things like banking being done. You imagine just being able to connect and, you know, what's my balance? Uh, you know, Absolutely. Or, you know, yeah. It, it takes it zero, but, you know. Yeah. As as I said in the uh, the article, that I think it takes the smart speakers out of the, the realm of just being a fun, you know, funny gadget into something that's really useful and something that you actually need, you know. But I hate trying to order prescriptions over the phone, trying to get hold of the um, receptionist to order a prescription. I know sometimes you can do it online, but a lot of them aren't accessible or you can't remember what the prescription's called. And and having an easy way to do that and a list of all the medication you're on, uh, yeah, I think this is great. Absolutely. Um, Well, look, check the article out on doubletap.online where you can also see... uh, Texture Pro 2019 in pictures, if you can see them. Uh, if you can't, don't worry. They're all described. We do it properly at Double Tap. So, yep, you can go and check out all of the images that we have uh, put up. There'll be articles coming soon from the event as well. Uh, lots of conversation, lots of audio. And like I said at the top of the show, uh, Double Tap uh, TV will have lots of uh, content coming from uh, Texture Pro in the coming months so uh, there you go uh, that is it from us so for this week thank you so much for getting in touch it's been it's been a nice week this week just just do you know what relaxing a bit after what was a very frantic week last week uh with the show mm, but, you say relaxing i mean it sounds like a doctor's waiting room in here when we're coughing off <laughs> mic all of us but um yeah it's been nice we're it back. has been nice um it's, it's, i'm looking forward to getting tim back next week as well Lots of good conversation, lots of your emails as well. If you've got a question for us, something you'd like us to answer, uh, maybe you've got a technical problem, uh, we're going to be uh, getting into uh, some of the specifics around some of this tech. I know we've been sort of talking big picture stuff the past couple of weeks, but we're going to get back into the you know everyday stuff. If there's something you'd like us to focus on, uh, maybe there's a piece of technology that you'd like to talk about, maybe uh, it could be a piece of software you want to know more about or a way to do something, get in touch with us. Ask uh, Double Tap. You can do that by going to our Twitter feed, uh, which is at Double Tap Canada. And you can quite simply just type in the hashtag Ask Double Tap and uh, put your question forward. We would love to uh, answer your questions. Sean, it's been great as always. Thank you. It's been a dream. Don't forget the uh, website, doubletap.online. We'll catch you next week. Bye. Bye. Don't forget to tune in to Double Tap TV every Tuesday at 8.30 p.m. Eastern on AMI-tv. For more technology talk with Mark Aflalo and Stephen Scott. This was an AMI podcast. For more accessible media, visit AMI.ca. Hi, I'm Red Sale, inviting you to download the latest episode of My Life in Books where internationally acclaimed authors discuss their lives, their work, and three books that have resonated with them. That's My Life in Books, available wherever you get your AMI podcasts.